welcome aboard the Grand Ship, the Space Show show once again. I am your host, Ensign Rebecca Frost, joined by noted Space Show fan, Carrie Jackson. Hello, Carrie. Welcome Hi back. Hi there. Red 7, standing by. Red 3, standing this by. Is... Red 6. Wrong show. That's wrong. <laughs> this is incorrect. Okay. I, I um... thought I had my red alert klaxon handy, but... <laughs> Uh, this week, we are going to be talking about The Menagerie, Parts 1 and 2, The Conscience mm-hmm. of the King, Balance mm-hmm. of Terror, and Shore Leave. And Now, before got... we start, yeah. I want, I want, this, this is for the YouTube audience. If you're listening on mm-hmm. podcast, you'll have to go to the YouTube uh, to see this. But uh, Rebecca's favorite character, Harry Mudd. No. Um, I reached into my archives, and I found my Harry Mudd action figure. They did make a Harry Mudd action figure, and here he is. Now, sadly, as you can see, he does not have the hairy chest. Oh, what a bummer. He doesn't have a hat either. He doesn't have a hat either. But what we need to do is we'll get Lee, because he does the painting and the stuff Uh on action figures, we'll get him to add chest hair. Are you willing to take Harry Mudd out of the box? Because well, that's the thing. I'm not he's sure. Still in the box. <laughs> I think this is the only Harry Mudd action figure that they've ever made. Oh, then I yeah, could you be gotta wrong. Keep, maybe, I can't fathom the concept of making multiple Harry Mudd figures. <laughs> that's absolutely I'll have to look insane into that. to me. All right. Anyway, let's um, go. This week, a, a couple of points I want to hit before we dive right into these episodes. Um, okay. First, how great is it that Strange New Worlds is back? First of all, oh, yes, it's this just so jazzed. Yeah, you know, we we talked about it earlier, but it's just it's so great for me because I grew up on the original series that we're talking about. But then I get to see them make it the way that it should have been made you know mm-hmm. uh, of course we didn't have that technology and special effects back then they were trying as hard as they could but at the same time they were constrained by budget and time and all of that stuff i gotta say i love the enterprise it's my favorite ship but the strange new world edition Ooh, might baby. be my favorite it's pretty Ooh. sexy all oh right. man there's ah i can't wait till we do our deep dive on it because i have um <laughs> just fun memes that I have made for my own enjoyment. Um, But also another point Mm -hmm. I want to hit, it is so interesting to watch Strange New Worlds and the original series concurrently because they are so different. It's the ship is just so different. The Mm -hmm. communication between people is so different. People having actual roles is so different. But also, the last point I want to hit, it is so interesting to watch these episodes in particular that we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. uh, while watching Strange New Worlds. Because I have a vague idea of Captain Pike's whole deal, because I haven't watched Mm -hmm. Discovery, um, but I know he knows about his upcoming fate. fate. And... Mm -hmm. uh, that so let let's just let's just jump right on into it. Talk about the menagerie and, part one. And and three episodes that we're gonna be talking about have connections to strange new worlds. Three yes. Absolutely baff so insane. Um so in the menagerie part one, Spock yes. kidnaps the crippled Captain Pike, hijacks the Enterprise, and then surrenders for court martial. Uh, slight spoiler warning for Strange New Worlds. Spock has a history of this. <laughs> I think, yeah, he steals the ships a lot. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
He, this? Yeah. I, well, I think if you're listening to something called The Space Show Show, you, you've probably seen all this stuff already. But anyway. I have to assume. I have to assume. Yeah. Um, this is the only two-part story in Star Trek, the original series. Um, all of the Star Trek spinoff shows have many two-part stories, but this is the only two-parter in the original series. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought this first episode was so boring. Uh, I I <laughs> couldn't... I, well, at first I was like, oh, our good friend Captain Pike shows up. And then they reveal Captain Pike, and I'm like, oh, no, our friend Captain Pike shows up. And now that South Park episode makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it helped you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Jeff, Jeff and I always said that the, the one toy that we always wanted was Was Captain on, Pike in the chair? Was Well, but specifically, we wanted it to be a bump and go. Oh, my Captain God. Pike. Like know, a remote control. <laughs> well, you remember the toys you'd... you'd you'd put the battery in them and then you'd put them on a table mm -hmm. and somehow the toy was able to sensor. It was about to go off the table and it would turn around. Oh, Dios or if you sat it on the floor, it would hit the wall and turn around. So we wanted a bump and go Captain Pike in his fancy space wheelchair. Uh, I, it's also kind of hilarious to me that in this future, in this Star Trek future, this is the best we can do for Captain Pike. Well, <laughs> uh, I feel like notice, this wouldn't happen in Strange New Worlds. <laughs> well, you'll notice that a lot of the, you know, a lot of the technology they they just couldn't imagine. I mean, like we'll talk about DNA coming up soon, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, because that would have ended one of these episodes right away, but <laughs> the one that's coming up. Uh, but yeah, this this one it did have its limitations. Technologically, we should have been able to communicate with Captain Pike much better than yes mm -hmm. or no beeping. But at the same time, it's a wonderful storytelling device. You know, cause yeah, because he's, cause yeah. he's a, uh, Captain Pike. Do you think we should proceed? Beep. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Any other opinions? <laughs> no, that's beep, good. That, that's where I'm at. <laughs> um, this this episode is one of those episodes too where ah, uh, Spock, if you would uh, use your words, can you people just use your words and tell us what? You... Like, I understand. I understand for the grand scheme of the story, it has to be mysterious and it has to be communicated a very specific way. But oh my God, so irritating! It's like Ant Man in the in the quantum mania it all could have been fixed with just a conversation a conversation michelle pfeiffer would you tell us what happened down there yes no <laughs> then then there's then there's no movie but uh yeah yeah no so... you're right if, if if spock would have said listen you know i used to work for captain pike love the guy well i won't say love Fantastic. he was a good guy i got a situation <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i think he could have presented it to kirk and mccoy and totally. and said yeah, here's here's what's going on. What do you say? Right, and that's part that's part of the whole thing about being in Starfleet, right? It's all about trusting the people that you're with, like trusting the people on your ship and your command. But conversely, if Spock had done that, it would have been bringing Kirk and McCoy in on the death penalty as well. Yeah, I guess that's true because the whole point of the episode is do you cannot go to Talos for like yeah, big hard the... big hard no no. There are very few death penalty infractions in the future in Starfleet and the Federation. There are very few. One of them is, is you don't go to that Which is also kind of weird. Planet. Why would Starfleet have a death penalty? Because they really don't want you to go to that planet. 
Um, but this this episode also, uh, one of my notes is, oh, maybe we should have watched The Cage because uh, it is my understanding that a lot of The Cage is what part two turns into. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we get the very beginnings of the story that Pike is trying to tell where they previously have arrived on Talos 4 and this is the story of Pike's mm-hmm. time on Talos 4, which leads into the Menagerie Part 2, where at Spock's court-martial, he explains himself with mysterious footage about when Captain Pike was kidnapped by powerful illusion-casting aliens. And I gotta say, the Menagerie Part 2 has bumped the Corbomite maneuver out of the number one spot and this episode has become my new favorite episode so you didn't care for part one but part, part one two you really like yeah part one well, i thought was so boring well then you should you should have just watched the cage then i that's know what the entire episode is i know the but cage. i'm excited for us to go back later to watch, watch the, the cage. cage yeah the cage was the original star trek pilot pike was mm-hmm. supposed to be the captain that was supposed to be the series but the network said it was too brainy and I don't think they meant just because of the big-headed aliens, but they they felt there wasn't enough action. There was too much talking, damn it. The um, big-headed aliens with the heads that look like butts and the ve- the veins pulse, the veins pulsate. I got another visual here for you. So if you're oh, watching no. us on YouTube, you're lucky. Um, this is the action <gasps> figure that we got back in Wait, the that's, 70s. That's but from the Corbomite maneuver. No, this is this is oh. this is. I know it looks like Baylock, yeah, it but it's supposed like the... hmm. it's supposed to be one of the Telosians. Huh. Uh, but it doesn't look anything like it. But later, luckily, we got one that looks just like the lead Telosian. And you know what I'm dying to see? Peter Capaldi is one of these guys. Because these guys all <laughs> looked like Peter Capaldi to me. Good casting. I like it. Right? Um yeah, this episode is so smart, I think. Um, just some really cool storytelling techniques. Like you like these aliens who can literally make you see anything they want you to see. Mm-hmm. And what what a cool what a cool torture technique to so they essentially have captured they capture Captain Pike because previously, years ago, they've captured a woman and um added her to their menagerie their zoo and the female needs a mate and so they have taken captain pike and put her put him and her in this cage together okay now reproduce please for our entertainment and (laughs) pike is like i'm good i'm good uh, I'm Captain Pike and I got my wits about me. I would like to get back to my ship, please. And the woman's like, mm-hmm. can we just s- stay? Like, d- come on. Like, she's like definitely on Team Telosians. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really, there's a scene where the aliens have manipulated Pike's vision to so that he sees, they're like in the countryside and he's got a denim on denim look and there's a horse mm-hmm. uh, really setting up episode one strange new worlds captain pike because when we first see him he's rugged denim on denim rides a horse through the snow like this is so captain pike's vibe that (laughs) i was like wow i think that's really cool that they have adopted this and made it his whole personality (laughs) well yeah and and in strange new worlds the first episode he's on a horse he's Mm -hmm. you know he's doing the whole thing living in a cabin you know the whole the whole deal yeah i loved it i loved it um and of course, you know, the, the team 
the team finds their way there and a brown haired another brown haired woman who knows how to do her job she <laughs> like saves the day so but the Talosians capture the brown haired woman and the redhead woman and leave all the of the other men behind well because clearly the human male has decided that uh, you know we, he doesn't like this one so we'll give him a couple of other options here you know yeah this one <laughs> yeah. This one called number one is uh, really smart and will produce intelligent children where the redhead is, you know, physically, she's, uh, <laughs> they're talking like zookeepers, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, ah, it's, it's, uh, it's okay, but it's so cool because they drop this bit of knowledge that the, the blonde woman, Vina, mm -hmm. crashed there 18 years ago. And I'm like, whoa, but she's like so hot. That's crazy. And then later it shows the 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 televisions drop their illusion and she is butchered butchered from the, because from the the spaceship crash because yeah. from when she crashed she and she explains they had no framework for how a human is built and so they just kind of put me together the best they could and she's hideous right i mean like for tv standards like yeah. well, she looked like popeye kind of she had like a hunchback and like her skin was all mangled and um that's why because pike is like okay we're gonna we're gonna get out of here come with us and she's like absolutely not like you mm -hmm. must see why i cannot leave and it's because they have created this world for her where she can be young and beautiful and live out the rest of her days however mm -hmm. she pleases and and you'll see the the roddenberry sexual fantasies are all through this episode you know oh man cause... they introduced the green orion slave girl which no man can resist and Carrie has produced <laughs> the action figure of Vina, the green skin but honestly, woman. She was crushing it. She was hot Listen, to trot in this Susan, episode. Susan Oliver, life changing for a lot of us <laughs> at the time. Drink. Um, she was just a vision to see, and and the the whole green skin woman, you know, Kirk fetish thing was mm -hmm. was set was established there. And uh, that the the Orion slave girl was uh, you know way before Princess Leia in her slave outfit. Mm -hmm. it, it was, and know, I'll argue even hotter because she was uh, moving and grooving. It's a toss up, I'll say. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Susan Oliver as Vina was just transcendent to me. I mean, she, she just, was phenomenal. I thought yeah. it was so. This I noticed from this point on, they they really upped the budget as far as good women actors mm -hmm. because in the next couple of episodes uh like when they introduce borrows i'm like wow she's mm -hmm. fantastic she's doing great well if you look at susan oliver's imdb she was working a lot before this mm. episode there's a lot of tv mostly tv some, a couple of movies but mostly tv and she continued to work after this episode a lot of tv a lot of a lot of episodic tv she uh, she was i mean she was a good actress she just you know there's just no other way to describe it she was damn good yeah and the 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 twist of this episode caught me so off guard that i was like okay wow what a fantastic episode because the whole reason spock is stealing the ship to take captain pike back to talos four in the first place is as they have demonstrated a place to live out your days Mm -hmm. It's like a it's like a horrible injury retirement community because <laughs> they he's like yes yeah. please take me back there where I know I can live 
and and not be constrained to this chair and this. Yeah, space. you're not you're not all messed up. Both of us, you know, we're we're, we're yeah. both all screwed up, and we we're now young and beautiful for the rest of our days. For the rest of our days, and, and you know, we can ride horses, and it's 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 almost heaven. And live really. out, yeah, exactly. Uh, this, I was like, wow, this is some real Black Mirror stuff. It, it's a lot like the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror, mm. where you know your consciousness gets uploaded to the cloud, but here, you know, you're just you get to live inside your brain, yeah, and do whatever. I mean, you know, and and bless Spock for wanting to do this for his friend because uh, you know that's I, the hell, other I'm... thing is the fact. Spock does this all for his friend, Captain Pike. He risks oh. his career and his life for Captain oh. Pike, which there establishes these two have a relationship that we, watching the show at this time, at this time, take a drink, uh, <laughs> we're not aware of that relationship. Which you makes know, we, watching we, Strange New Worlds even better because yes. like, you know their relationship is gonna go so deep. I mean, oh. we get a little bit of a glimpse of it during the Cage episode, but they don't explore it a lot. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, before Nimoy really had Spock figured out, uh, you know, because he would smile occasionally and, and yell <laughs> for some reason. I can't, mm -hmm. I can't understand why he's you know, yelling things up on the bridge. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, it's just, it, it, it was a great reuse of the pilot episode because mm -hmm. they were falling behind on production and they're like, we need to do something and and Rodbury said ah we got this uh, got the idea. pilot here's an idea let's do an envelope episode as they called it an envelope episode around it and so they they fashioned it together and it was you know all the action takes place on the original pilot the stuff that we're doing is mostly just sitting around talking in a courtroom uh, so mm -hmm. it was a, they were able to shoot it quickly and cheaply and and incorporate it in and and you still got to see the pilot and it still worked so yeah and this this episode i truly i don't have any like trivia that i found to share because all i wanted to do is just gush about how much i loved this episode and how it was just what a good what a good story it was so now real we're sci-fi okay so so far in 15 episodes that we've talked that, well, that we are talking about your number one is menagerie part two yes followed by Cor the corbomite corbomite maneuver, maneuver. okay I don't right. know if there's, I don't know what one would go after that. Well, yeah. well you, you, we got to continue to, to find yeah, out. Yeah, there's, there's a lot more show. So, it's all part of the journey. And I love, and here's another thing I love about Star Trek I'm learning is episodes can be so wildly different from each other because in The Conscience of the King, while Captain Kirk investigates whether an actor is actually a presumed dead mass murderer, a mysterious assailant is killing the people who could identify the fugitive. And this one I call the soap opera episode of Star Trek because it's a lot of <laughs> acting, <laughs> men lot acting against I each like other. To, I like to call it soap opera meets Columbo. Yeah, because <laughs> you've got Kirk is watching uh, Macbeth with this guy and they never show the left side of his face. And I'm like, hmm, why are they not showing the side of this guy's face? And then he turns and his whole side of his head is just covered in some Phantom of the Opera style mask and uh, he's 
yeah, there there was so much drama in this episode. All I really paid attention to was Kirk uh, going out of his way to gaslight a woman into because <laughs> um, <laughs> there's this troop of actors, okay, and Kirk yes. likes one of them because she's a hot blonde, and mm. um, <laughs> so he calls his friend who's taking who's on the ship that's taking them to their various performances, and he's like, hey. I'll take I'll take them I'll take them this time um, wink a doodle uh, just don't just don't <laughs> tell anybody and so she comes to Kirk and she's like oh my gosh we have no ride and Kirk is like oh no that's terrible not even offering and she's mm-hmm. like I'll make you a bargain if you'll give us a ride he's like oh I don't know and I'm like Kirk this is the this is the worst thing a man can do this is <laughs> just one of the worst things you can do as a man he wanted her to think it was her idea. And I love that there are some crew members who are like, oh, Kirk's doing this to transport another woman again. Uh, again. Like, this is definitely not the first time he's done this. <laughs> but it's it's also, you know, soap opera Columbo, but it's also a little bit of uh, war crimes thrown in there, too. Yeah. <laughs> because this, this guy is allegedly responsible for thousands of people's deaths when he was in charge of a colony. And with, they've never been able to find this guy, Kodos the... Yeah, uh, Kodos, yeah. Kodos, yeah. Uh, they've never been able to find this guy. He's responsible for the deaths on these pla- this planet. They were starving. They were running out of food. And Kodos figured out, I know, I'll just kill half of you. And then the rest of us will have food. Kind uh, of Thanos, the real that Thanos way. Yeah, the real Thanos maneuver. <laughs> yeah. And, and they were never able to find this guy, Kodos. And, you know, who is he? Where is he? Did he die? I, you know, so it's, it's kind of like Nazi war crimes that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure that's what inspired it because it was, you know, the 60s and you know, it was still he fresh in everybody's mind. To, to space Argentina. Space Argentina, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Spock and McCoy in this episode some real friction between these two boys. There's a line where Spock says, spare me your philosophical metaphors, doctor. And <laughs> just a nice reminder that Spock does not have time for McCoy's bullshit. A lot uh, of the times, yeah. <laughs> a, p- a fun piece of trivia about this episode. Barbara Anderson, the woman who plays the hot blonde Lenore, shares mm-hmm. the record with Ricardo Montalban and Joan Collins for the most costumes worn in a single Trek episode. <laughs> uh, she wears a maroon colored dress, a blue dress with a veil, a fur miniskirt dress, a greenish multicolored mantle on the observation deck, and a black and red evening dress. Um, and that's the kind of fun fact I like is mm-hmm. about the costumes. <laughs> I loved the little plot in the story. I mean, with all the acting and stuff that's happening around you, but I love the little bit in the story, the war crimes part of it, because everywhere this acting troupe goes, people are dying, and it's people who were survivors of this thing, you know, the Mm -hmm. the starvation thing, including Kirk and including uh, Riley, who is uh, on the ship as well. So, and, and I think it was Spock that brought this up and said, you know, have you noticed that uh, people, could this guy put, be Kodos? I'm just putting you know, two and two together over here. Yeah, but could this guy be Kodos? You know, and, and Riley almost gets killed uh, in, in in the episode. So it, Which they and, should have just done because yeah, in yeah. the next episode is that line that you like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, what I what I like about the end of this episode is that uh, the guy that Kirk accuses of being Kodos, 
he admits it, but he doesn't, you know? Yeah. And yeah. the the vagary was kind of frustrating as a child, but as I'm older, it, watching it again, it's kind of satisfactory in a way. You're you know? like, oh, I get it now. I have some yeah. context about nuance. <laughs> exactly. He's like, well, okay, I'm Kodos. Sure, whatever. I'm Kodos. Does that make you happy if I say that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they have like a nice little tete-a-tete monologue. It's... I love, I do love Shakespeare Star Trek. I love when Star Trek goes theater. Um, mm -hmm. It's just even like even overtly like they do in this episode, but I also like it when they're, mm -hmm. it's theater, but it's in space. I, like I that. am tired. <laughs> That's my favorite line from this because there's so uh, much acting. Listen to this. I am tired. <laughs> Oh, there's even a moment too where Lenore calls out. She's she's like, "Oh, is there all is the lighting always like this on the Enterprise?" And <laughs> and Kirk is like, "No, we try to simulate Earth night and day as best we can." When you know Kirk, like me, has insisted that rooms only be lit by mood lighting, no <laughs> overhead lights. Overhead lights ruin a vibe. Is the lighting like this on the Starship Enterprise always like this? Well, yes, if you're a beautiful woman. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's very favorable to you. You know, <laughs> All the lights have a Vaseline wash on them. I can't explain exactly. it. Um, right. That the next episode, Balance of Terror, the Enterprise must decide on its response when a Romulan ship makes a destructively hostile arm probed of Federation territory. This episode... I'm I'm dying I've seen to get before. your take on this one. You I've have seen, seen this, this one, one before because uh, you guys told me to watch it because um, an alternate timeline version of events in this episode are shown in Strange New Worlds, A Quality of Mercy, in which Captain Christopher Pike remains captain of the Enterprise while Kirk is present as captain of the USS Farragut. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, what an overt it's... racism metaphor, I will say. <laughs> It's 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 a it's a crossover episode that uh, is you know the original series didn't realize it was a crossover episode, uh, <laughs> which I found fascinating. But uh, this one is Balance of Terror is I'm curious to get your take on this because it's often referred to in those top ten best episodes lists. Yeah, I can see that. Um... Yeah, it, it's it's our introduction to the Romulans, um, and the Romulans look extremely similar to Vulcans, which um, for budgetary the... reasons, <laughs> <laughs> which causes some of the crew to be like, "Rot row, uh, do we got one of these guys on our ship?" Well, because at, at this point in in the Star Trek storyline, is that no one, no one, well, we've not seen a Romulan. We're not sure what they, they look like. They haven't seen. They've had no contact with Romulans in a century. In a century, so, so we're not sure. I'm not and sure what then, they look like. And then they they're able to hack into the, the the bridge of the Romulan ship and get a look at him and they all look like Spock. And that's where everybody gets wrong. Oh. Now it it was expensive to do the ears, so they didn't do the ears for all of the characters. The rest of them look like this. Yeah, um, they introduced the helmets. They gave them they just gave them helmets. And uh, that was just cheaper to do. Which, that's crazy <laughs> that helmets were cheaper than ears, but I guess isn't it mater though? materials <laughs> and the labor, I suppose. But uh, but there's a Romulan action figure from my Mego uh, 1970s set. I'm so shocked that you have all of these. Um, 
And this, they, and we get our we get our first look at a Romulan warbird in this episode too. Yeah, it, which, which I looks also pretty have. cool. Um, yes. Featured some again, truly Shakespearean acting uh, from the Romulan side of things. Mm -hmm. uh, this episode has Carrie's favorite line: "Keep the bigotry to yourself." When which we probably should have just killed Riley previously if he's going to be a big old <laughs> racist. Well, you know, this this guy, you know, he's on the bridge, and I'll bet he, he could be a Romulan. He could be an enemy. You know, look at the pointy ears, and that's when Kirk lays that line on him, which to me is is so foundational to Star Trek, mm -hmm. and that is uh, bigotry has no place on this bridge, Mister. Keep it in your quarters. I just yeah, like boom, right there. It's it's for Riley to say that it's so not Starfleet. That that's just how. I approach so many things in my life now, like that's so Starfleet or that's not very Starfleet. Mm -hmm. And I witnessed somebody today online, a TERF, uh, trans -ex exclusionary radical feminist or whatever, um, use the four light, like there are four lights, Picard oh. scene to defend their own bigotry. Really? Uh, yeah. And I'm like, that's not, uh, that's not start that's not very starfleet of you because that's not the no. point of star trek at all and like, again it, I, throw this infinite, line at them you know infinite diversity and infinite combinations and you can't fathom a, a trans person <sighs> and, uh, and this person clearly didn't watch early episodes of next generation either because or... deanna troy deanna troy literally says i'm going to let my child pick its sex when it yeah. wants and and <sighs> da and data creates a, a child and, and says i'll let it decide and then there's yeah. a whole planet of 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 people without any that are non-binary uh you know they these are clearly people what's the the meme i saw this is uh conservatives like star trek no they watch star trek they're not paying attention. They're not listening. You know? <laughs> they like looking at the at the slutty costumes. Um, uh, yeah. This episode is like I said. It's it's often listed in the top ten best episodes, and it's because of the ability to create the tension in the storyline with mm -hmm. next to no budget. You know, and it's. And it's very much like a submarine. It is a submarine show. Yeah, it, it, yeah. You know, because they have to go silent running at one point and Spock accidentally hits the button, you know, <laughs> which happens in every submarine movie when they go on silent running. Uh, and that's that's essentially what they did. They wrote a submarine war show and put it in space. Uh, like a, it, a very Cold War type mm -hmm. yeah. scenario. McCoy has a line in this episode that I really loved. In this galaxy, there's a mathematical probability of three million Earth-type planets, and in all the universe, three million million galaxies like this one, and in all of that, and perhaps more, only one of each of us. Don't destroy the one named Kirk. Just, Ooh, it's I such a good line. I forgot <laughs> that line. I forgot that one. That is good. Because it's so open-minded, I think, for the 60s to consider the how large the universe is and our place in it. For the really... time. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, just such a good line. I, um, I just, I think it's a great episode. And you get your first look at Mark Leonard, uh, who is, uh, you know, he's played uh, Klingons, Romulans, and Vulcans. He's, he's, he's done he the returns. trifecta. Yeah, he returns yeah. to play some more Vulcans. This is also the final original series appearance of Janice Rand. Get, get out of there, Janice. Uh, Justice for Janice Rand. Yeah. Go live your life, girl. We will see her again in Star Trek The Motion Picture. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but the last episode we're going to talk about this week, which an episode I also really liked for some reason. Really? I don't know why. It's called Shore Leave. The past yeah. three months have left the crew of the Enterprise exhausted and in desperate need of a break. But does this explain McCoy's encounter with the human-sized white rabbit or Kirk crossing paths with the prankster who plagued his days at Starfleet Academy? Uh, this <laughs> This episode... Again, the return of Sassy Spock. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. <laughs> so there's a couple of moments. The, uh, Kirk is sitting in the captain's chair, and he's complaining about his back hurting. And yeah. one of the the female members of and Spock is standing behind him, but one of the female members of the crew goes to like massage the spot on his back, and he's like, "Oh, that's nice." And he says something like, "Thank you, Spock." And then Spock is right next to him, and he's and he's <laughs> like, "Oh, that wasn't you." I just love the idea that Kirk. <laughs> thinks Spock would massage the knot in his back. <laughs> Which Well, th- now this gets to a lot of... Uh, leads to some it, a lot of early slash fiction. Exactly. <laughs> it was the first slash fiction, I think. I think I can uh, honestly say it was the first slash fiction with the Kirk and Spock romance stuff. Yeah, like which is okay. which is mentioned in the novelization of Star Trek: The Motion Picture, and I'll have to find that. Oh my yeah, gosh! I'll have to find that paragraph for you where they address that. This is a lot of people wrote about how Kirk and Spock were lovers, and and Kirk was asked about it, and he had a stay. I'll find that par- passage for you <laughs> and read it to you. Uh, um, look but- it up; it's great. Spock is also a little sassy and there's a moment um this is a recurring thing that I'm learning to that I learning of that I love it's when they call Kirk out on measurable stuff so like the previous episode <laughs> when Janice brings him a salad and he's like what the fuck is this and, <laughs> and McCoy's like our readings have shown that you've gained a couple pounds and this one Spock is like one of the crew members needs to needs to go on shore leave because his response time is down 12% and he's not reacting as fast as he was and Kirk is like okay yeah cool who is it and he's like mm, James Kirk and um <laughs> and Kirk has this well, look on his face like oh I see Spock backs him into a corner there cuz he he starts listing all the problems with this crew member mm-hmm. he says but the crew member has been uh not willing to uh to to go on shore leave he's not been willing to listen to the doctor he's not been willing and and kirk goes well that's just bullshit uh he's he's on my ship he's got to do you know if if that's what's ordered then that's what's ordered who is Mm -hmm. this guy uh it's you (laughs) (laughs) so i got you all right all right all right so they go they go down to this planet again i am mccoy sees this big white rabbit like the like you would see in Alice in Wonderland and that the rabbit hops off into the forest followed by a little blonde girl mm-hmm. literally Alice in Wonderland well he says earlier he's as he's talking about how beautiful this planet is he says kind of reminds me of something in Alice in Wonderland and that's there you go Another that's thing I love it's... about um, future shows from the 60s is history <laughs> stops at the 60s. Yes. Because there's, <laughs> there's, there's no like Harry Potter references no. or like made up references from media in the future. No, no. Um, yep, history stops in the 60s because that's all we got. But yeah. uh, 
speaking of costumes, and you know how much I love costume trivia, William Blackburn, who played the White Rabbit, is a professional ice skater in real life, and he got the mm. costume from the ice capades for free. Um, oh. However, Blackburn was claustrophobic and had a really painful time wearing it, especially when the costume designer had originally sewn the rabbit head to the suit. After nearly suffocating, Blackburn tore off the head, uh, and the costume designer got very mad. And they negotiated, <laughs> and they put the head back on with Velcro. Um, Blackburn would later go on to wear the Gorn head in, in Arena in 1967, mm. and mm. he said that was even worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, that Gorn costume looked uncomfortable, yeah. even though the zipper was exposed and you could see up the back. But <laughs> We'll get to that episode. That episode's coming, and again, uh, one of those seminal moments for young Carrie, uh, that episode. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, this, this, uh, I don't think I will ever tire of seeing experimental camera shots because this episode had uh, cameras on a dolly tra following the crew as they were running towards uh, the gunshots because Sulu found a gun and well, is explaining he... how to use the gun. Yeah, because Sulu was thinking about his ancient weapon collection that he has. The man loves and ancient so... weapons. The planet provides whatever it is you're thinking about. Alice in Wonderland, there's a rabbit and Alice. I, I'm thinking about ancient weapons. I'm thinking about a samurai. Uh, and this planet provides. There yeah, it this, is. The planet provides whatever you're thinking of. So like New Yeoman Barrows loves a Renaissance dress. Um, oh, that's another thing I forgot to talk about in the Menagerie part two. I hope to God that they do this on Strange New Worlds, that they do when uh, Pike is at whatever Ren Fair style planet where he, <laughs> I, I just want to see them do that episode on Strange New Worlds. Anyway, um, right. <laughs> but she thinks about Renaissance dresses and there's a Renaissance dress that appears and she puts it on and I got to say, I would be so embarrassed to be in a deadly scenario wearing this dress. <laughs> Well, there's a, there's a great line when she finds the dress because McCoy's there with her because they're getting kind of chummy. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is, a, I'm going to go and change behind this bush. Don't peek. He says, uh, my dear, I, when I peek, it's because I'm a professional. <laughs> Gross. Something along those lines, you know, where he's, Gross. I'm not gonna, I've seen it before. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I did have the thought, are we on Talos 4 again? Because mm. same kind of concept. Same of... kind of concept, except this is this was. Uh, I, I don't want to say robots, uh, but it's it's. Well, like they that. even the the people of this planet, the man of this planet, even says like, I don't think you humans are ready to even comprehend what we got going mm -hmm. on here. And Spock says, Yeah, man, they are not ready. <laughs> well, and McCoy got to look at it because uh, there there's a part where again Renfair. Uh, the Black Knight shows up, and and McCoy jumps in front of the the blade to protect uh, Barrows. The, the Barrows, and dies. He straight and up dies, and I'm like, oh my god, up, they can't just like kill yeah. McCoy, can they? McCoy's dead, yeah, and and then at some point his body disappears, and they're like, well, we got to find his body, but then there's all this other shit going on, and there's the the bully from Starfleet Academy, Finnegan, who is a real dick uh <laughs> he's like right he's like how's this for a prank and then just punches kirk in the just, face like that's yeah. not much of a prank and but but then we learn later that that's you know what would be satisfactory to kirk what would be his his great time 
it would be beating the hell out of this bully that gave him nothing but trouble in but Starfleet also, Academy. But also, also you know? running back into the hot blonde that he hooked up with from Ruth. school. Ruth. Ruth. And I got to tell you, if I landed on a planet and my ex-boyfriend showed up, I would throw myself right off the planet. I <laughs> want nothing to do with any well, of my see, past relationships. But see, you would, you would be thinking about them. You'd be thinking That's about, true. you know, something else. You'd, you'd probably on that planet be thinking, hey, this is like Star Trek. And suddenly you'd be in a Starfleet uniform and a communicator. <laughs> um, I, I would be thinking, okay, two bits of trivia. A chained tiger is brought in to appear in this episode, and it never directly interacts with any of the performers. William Shatner had originally hoped to wrestle it, but was persuaded that it would not be a wise decision. Because the audacity Shatner in those of days, this man. Well, because he was told by so many people, "You're you're a god," and he believed it. So <laughs> the audacity of this man. Um, I can wrestle and, a tiger. I can. <laughs> I could take it. I'm Mike Tyson. Uh, the script also called for an elephant to appear in the episode, and an elephant was indeed hired by production staff and brought to set. But due to running over time and other difficulties during shooting, the animal never made it to the cameras, um, which made associate producer Robert Justman, uh, who was not on set at the time and couldn't oversee production, truly angry. Later, production staff members often jokingly asked assistant director Greg Peters, say, when do you get to use your elephant? I got. I went to the trouble to get you an elephant. You didn't use it. I went. I did. I did all this work. It's Babylon all over again. If you haven't seen Babylon, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah but, this uh, episode, but, I guess, uh, Gene Roddenberry was like frantically like rewriting like while they were shooting, and um, the the filming time was normally six days, but this one took like seven days. And he was rewriting to make things more affordable because the original yes. script was very fanciful with everything that they wanted to bring in. But we learn it. We learn at the end that this race of aliens, whatever they are, they created this planet and they can create anything. As we learn at the again, very misogynistic at the end. Uh, McCoy shows up. <laughs> In I'm, these troll doll cabaret dancers, because they yeah. have like this fur scenario going on, and in their yeah. belly buttons too. And he's, so yeah, he's got these two gorgeous women on his arms, you know. And he says, uh, mm -hmm. "You should see the facility they have, Jim. They can do anything." <laughs> and these two women immediately sidle up to Spock and the and other Spock members is like, of the crew. Oh no, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, <laughs> but yeah, then I, I the aliens say. One. Come on down and play. Just be careful what you think about. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of careless. <laughs> like you guys can have a day pass, but you know, otherwise you're not you're not like really ready for yeah. this jelly. Don't think of anything dangerous, all right? Even though I couldn't help myself. It's human nature to think about stuff like that. I mean, we've seen the examples, you know, because uh -huh. the samurai shows up, the, the, the World War II plane strafing them. You know, Again, no guns. other history beyond 1966. Yeah, but it's just human nature to think about these bad things. And I think it was very irresponsible of the aliens to say, come on down and play. Just be careful. Don't think of anything dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they had like the safety features on. <laughs> Oh. But uh, I quite enjoyed that episode um, and all these episodes, which brings us to the end of this episode for this week. Uh, thank you, Carrie, for joining thank me you. again. Uh, next, 
next week we will be talking about episodes 16 through 20 and we'll keep going where no man's gone before but everyone's gone before <laughs> i like that you well put thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you all <laughs>